From the Orange County Fire Authority, this is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host, Assistant Chief of Operations, Pokey Sanchez. Welcome back to the OCFA Pass Along Podcast. This episode features Captain Todd Lockwood's interview with our newly promoted Deputy Chiefs, Lori Zeller and Dave Anderson. Paying down pension is good public policy, not just for Irvine and all of our members. It's good for our employees. Everybody wants to have a well-funded pension when we mm-hmm. retire. Absolutely. But beyond that, part of that policy has us get our pension to an 85% funding level and then redirect the money towards retiree medical. So those of our members that were hired before 2007 want to have a future retiree medical benefit. We pay into it. We believe it's there for us. Yet, if we do nothing, it's not properly funded. So the goal is get pension liability to 85% and then redirect all that money over to retiree medical. That's great. It's a much smaller liability, yeah. so we could get that knocked out that's pretty quick. So Yeah, that's so that, that's a good plan. All right, we'll get to that next. Uh, but for some news and some noteworthy items, I'd like to talk about the situation awareness memo I submitted to the field. Ultimately, Uh, The goal is to maintain and enhance firefighter safety, and that should be our target every day. You know, we've been fortunate this fire season with no uh, firefighter injuries that were sustained on any of our major incidents, Um, but it's because of our continued high level of performance. Uh, We need to remain focused on our safety and be observant of the health of our coworkers and reach out to those that may need some help. But every one of you are a credit to the uniform and the badge that you wear every day, and you are the most important asset of this fire department. So that was the intent of the memo, is to please look out for each other. So I'd like to congratulate the 16 new captains who are now on the floor, and I'd like for all of you to extend a congratulations to all of those successful candidates. We also have the engineers who will be graduating tomorrow and we have a number of them that will be hitting the floor on this Friday. Also, I'd like to wish the best of luck to our current seven candidates who are going through the Battalion Chief's promotional process. Good luck to you guys. Yesterday, we conducted our 9-11 ceremony here at headquarters and at every station throughout the county. It's important that we remember and honor and never forget those. So I'd like to thank all of you who participated and for those who participated and took a moment of silence at our battalion chief's promotional process. Thanks to all of you as well. So on October 6th, our annual open house will be conducted at our headquarters from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. So I'd like to thank all of you who are involved in participating in that. Also, our station open house out in the field will be conducted on October 13th. And we have about 25 stations that will be hosting our open house. And please spread the word throughout the community and any public event that you attend. On October 9th, we have our annual County Fire Service Memorial honoring the people from both OCFA and Santa Ana Fire Department that will be conducted in the city of Santa Ana. We've had two recent fire station openings, one in the city of Irvine at our new Fire Station 20 and also our new Battalion 10 headquarters. And that's where our hazmat unit has been assigned along with an engine and a truck company. Our other was at in the city of Buena Park at Fire Station 61. I'd like to thank for all of those who attended both events. It was largely attended and it was a nice reception for all. And thank you to all of those who assisted in the grand opening. Much appreciated. 
Hey, I'd like to wish those members good luck who've just been deployed out to Virginia. It's our mission ready package from our USAR team, which consists of 16 members and being led by Task Force Leader Ken Dossie. Just want to wish you guys uh, good luck and please be safe and uh, we'll see you upon your return. On August 15th, we received some sad news about the passing of our California Task Force 5 search canine, Jester. Uh, Jester was handled by Fire Captain Davis Doty for many years and was a integral part of our task force. In our August board meeting, Fire Captain Davis Doty said some great things about Jester's service to this organization. He's described as spunky, uh, is super lovable, uh, eager to please, and he sheds everywhere. You can ask any, any fire station he's ever been to the authority, and it doesn't matter if you're wearing blue or if you're wearing black or what your rank is, uh, Jester will be all over you. The dog here in this picture is the first uh, dog in the history of the County of Orange to be a federally recognized disaster dog, so it's pretty cool. He's the rock star, I'm the entourage, I get the bus, I get his food, I set up the appointments. I didn't get deployed to Montecito twice, I didn't get, get lucky enough to go to Hurricane Harvey or in the city of Laguna Beach. His name was the one that was on the roster, I just got to come along with him. So I feel very lucky that I got to do that. Uh, I am not the only one that got him to where he is, I just got to follow him like I said. It takes myself, it takes organizations like the Search Dog Foundation, other rescue houses. It takes the firefighters at the station that I work with to be willing to have a dog there and to be have hair everywhere and to be in their way. It, ha it takes the three people behind me, my family, my wife and my daughters, Elisa and Nora, to be with him. When he was a puppy, these girls were hiding in holes because you have to do it off duty too and it has to be different people. Uh, I've, I've trained with uh, people from every rank to, to get that dog to, to love his job, and he did. So if it wasn't for all of those layers, all the way up to the board, where Jester was pinned by Fire Chief Chip Prather with the badge you see around his neck now, back in 2007, we wouldn't be as successful in where we are. And I'm just super proud to be here and have that dog be a part of this organization and to close out in front of you and to give me the time to be up here. Thank you. So without further ado, let's turn this over to Todd Lockwood to conduct his interviews with our newly assigned and promoted Deputy Chiefs, Lori Zeller and Dave Anderson. Hi everybody. Welcome to the OCFA's newest Pass Along podcast. In this episode, I'll be interviewing OCFA's newest deputy chiefs, Chief Dave Anderson and Chief Lori Zeller. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. So to start off with, I have a few questions for you guys. First one is this. On August 30th, Chief Fennessy sent out a memo with the subject line of organizational restructuring update. Can one of you provide information on the status and reasons for the change? I'll start with... Um the big picture goals. So when Chief Fennessy arrived here, he had six direct reports reporting directly to him. He's got you know four labor groups that he wants to spend time with. He's got 25 board members and city managers, and his attention um, was feeling very divided. So big picture goal was kind of change his 
support structure so that he has fewer direct reports that are handling more of the day-to-day within the organization, free up his time so that he can be strategic, outward-facing, um, building relationships with our directors and our city managers, and more time with partner agencies and our labor groups for handling the bigger picture issues that he should be focused on. And then on the operations side, uh, we certainly saw an opportunity to address some uh, span of control issues and also some areas that we felt really strongly that needed uh, greater attention. And you'll now see an EMS and training division underneath uh, Assistant Chief Black, and it's really signaling the importance of EMS, the focus of the agency on understanding and enhancing where needed our service delivery. Um, The training section has been paired with that because EMS goes so closely with training, and so it was a logical uh, grouping of the two, and underneath that we'll now have two training chiefs, both Chief Gomez and Chief Summers, which will be a uh, further uh, reinforcement of our training activities. How are these changes going to enhance the OCFA? Well, I, I think there's a variety of, of ways of answering that question, and you'll see some new organization boxes on the chart. One of them is the command center and emergency planning, and that's putting a division chief in the command center and overseeing the 911 center and its operations. And there will also be shift battalion chiefs or duty officers in the 911 center. And we think that connectivity in between the field and the 911 center is of critical importance, and having that position is going to just further enhance uh, the great work of our dispatchers. You also see the special operations chief, uh, Chief Norton. He now has five or four programs underneath him the air and wildland. HAZMAT, USAR, and investigations. And having those sections underneath were important because uh, all of those programs are significant to the OSFA, and bringing those underneath one um, division chief is important for consistency and, and oversight. Is there a timeline for these changes? They're not happening overnight. We're trying to be slow and steady with it. There's not a switch we can turn and have all of these changes be effective tomorrow. Some of them will happen really quite quickly. If it's just a single person with a new boss and they're reporting to that new individual, that can happen overnight. Um, other areas where it's entire programs that are transitioning and they're more complex uh, will take quite some time. So really anywhere from a couple of days to six months is the timeline that we're looking at. We're being really sensitive to the impacts to our people as well. We know that moving offices, changing responsibilities, changing titles can be uh, challenging and stressful for, for some, and so we're trying to sequence it in a, in a logical and a, in a way that makes sense to both the organization and our people. And there's some physical uh, movement as well, which requires property management and IT to support those changes. And so we'll be doing it likely for the coming weeks and months to get this fully implemented. Some of the areas require recruitment. So we're adding a civilian communication director that requires a full extensive recruitment. We're looking to really identify a high-level strategic communication person that can help us develop. We're not talking incident coverage, not PIO-level activities, but what are the major programs and goals that OCFA has that we're working on, and how can someone with a strong communication background help us to develop those strategies and make sure we build relations with the media and get positive coverage on the things that we're working on? 
proactively. So we're not just responding when they're coming to us, but we're proactive, inviting them in, teaching them, educating them, and making them understand why we're pursuing the things that we're pursuing. Interesting. Excellent. Good. Well, once again, I want to congratulate the two of you on your new positions. I think both of you will be very successful, and I think the fire chief made the right choice. Uh, with that, um, being in charge of a bureau, this is a question for both of you, and I'll let either one of you answer first. What are some of your short-term and your longer-term goals, both for the Emergency Operations Bureau and the Administration Support Bureau? So I'm happy to answer first. Uh, for the Operations Bureau, there are four major areas. Of course, the Operations Chief, Chief Sanchez, has been in his position now for a couple months, and really uh, getting him um, comfortable with the roles and responsibilities as he sets his expectations for how he wants to run uh, the department. And so supporting him in those efforts is a, is a critical initial uh, effort. Uh, the ongoing focus of mental health, cancer prevention, uh, prevention and wellness are things that we feel very strongly about and will continue to reinforce. And then addressing the force hiring issue, uh, we know that the field is working a lot and working very hard, and it does not go unnoticed, uh, the impacts to their family and personal lives. Under EMS and training, Chief Black, I know he is focused on exploring tactical paramedics, which means that some of our paramedics may be in the future working in a variety of areas in law enforcement environments. Uh, we don't know exactly what that means just yet, but it may mean SWAT team, it may mean boats, it may mean uh, areas that we haven't even thought much about to date. Uh, we also know that the demands and the rapid need for addressing change within our environment uh, requires a training section that has the focused attention of the organization. The command center, it'll be really getting the new division chief and the ECC uh, shift commanders up to speed and in place, defining what those roles and responsibilities are and getting those recruitments underway. Under Special Operations Chief Norton, uh, the helicopter uh, challenge between us and the sheriffs continues to move forward in a very positive way. We recently had that agreement that was signed between Chief Fennessy and the sheriff. And that agreement was just the initial step. It was a piece of paper. But what we have ahead of us is, is a bunch of work. We're going to define specifically what that means to our people. It will define how we can better uh, run our calls together, our remote, remote rescues, and establish a strong after-action process, which really is going to make us continually better. At the same time, we're moving into our new USAR warehouse, which is an exciting progress. We're moving our HAZMAT program to Battalion 10, and that involves a lot of startup efforts. But overall, I think in the coming months, we'll see that we'll be doing some assessments by outside agencies of our various specialized programs to understand our strengths, weaknesses, and, and plan the future. Excellent. Thank okay. you. And for the Administration and Support Bureau, um, Short-term goal is going to be initially filling the vacancies. So I've got four areas, departments, that will be reporting to me under the Administration and Support Bureau. Um, and right out of the gate, two vacancies, the Assistant Chief of Business Services and the Assistant Chief of Logistics Department, formerly our support services. Um, so we'll be initiating a recruitment fairly soon here with HR 
to begin filling both of those vacancies, um, getting those individuals up to speed, and putting them in charge and running those departments. Um, shortly after that, be turning my attention, in fact, I've already really started and been for a little while uh, working closely with HR, trying to increase our coordination on all the recruitment and promotional efforts. Now we have two training BCs to help with that. Um, they're already calendaring all that out. They have been for the last year, um, working in conjunction with many areas of the organization, as Chief Anderson mentioned, to, to try and relieve the force hiring that we have going on in the field, understanding the significance of that. Um, so a lot of energy and focus. HR has built a solid team. Um, we want to continue supporting them and helping them to move forward and move all the goals of OCFA forward. So a lot of energy is going to be focused there. Logistics department is really much what it was before support services. Really the only change there is we've moved service center um, from business services into logistics. Really what they do every day is very much the same, um, but they'll be more closely connected with the managers in the former support services department that they were already interacting with quite a lot. So it just made, it's a good fit. It makes sense to have them there. Excellent. So rolling them into that area as well. And then um, business services had very little change. So aside from getting the assistant chief filled into that position and getting them up to speed, um, there's very little change to occur there, and, and that should continue um, moving forward just as is. Well, it sounds like the two of you have your plates full. I wish you luck and have a lot of faith. Um, next question is primarily for you, Chief Zeller. Uh, kind of turning our attention to some current events and some current talk around the fire stations that we hear uh, very often. Can you give us the status of the cities of Irvine, Placentia, Garden Grove, and how our pensions are doing? Sure. Um, so let's start with Irvine. That's probably the, the larger project of all of them and has the biggest impact potentially on OCFA. Um, so we all know we did get a, a letter of notice of withdrawal that they had a deadline, June 30 of 18. They did provide that notice. Doesn't go into effect until June 30 of 2020. And during that window of time, they have the ability to rescind that notice. So um, what that did is it, it resulted in, initially, their removal of a seat on the board. So they no longer have a director seating there. Um, but what they really want to do is negotiate. And what we want to do is negotiate solutions. So we'll be exploring a variety of options. We've already given the city a list of service enhancements that we would propose to implement on their behalf. Um, their notice of withdrawal triggers their ability to negotiate. If they really want to leave and they really want to stand up their own fire department, that triggers the ability to negotiate a property tax transfer and their ability to purchase back stations and equipment. Um, so where we stand right now is we'll start meeting with them around the middle of October. We'll work with them, what I call two parallel tracks. One is if they're actually going to try and stand up their own fire department, what do we need to do as far as a property tax transfer? What will it cost them to run their fire department? What will it cost them to purchase equipment and stations from us? And what does that look like? Um, it's a pretty short amount of time. So if they've got a lot of energy behind that already, it's possible. If we're just getting started, it's hard to get that done in this limited window of time. Where our greater focus and uh, obvious desire for an outcome is, is to move forward with service enhancements on their behalf that would entice them to choose to stay with OCFA rather than continuing to leave. Uh, we have a great list of service enhancements. Several of them are already ready to start moving forward to the board for approval. So we'll have that initial meeting in the middle of October. They have new city management staff. We'll, we'll talk with them, share with them our ideas, hopefully gain some support. Go ahead and start moving those service enhancements forward to the board for approval, even understanding that we're still in negotiation on multiple options. But show the city good faith that we have a variety of things we want to do on their behalf. We understand we have a lot of revenue coming from them. We want to put it to good use. Um, 
in Irvine, but in ways that will benefit all of our jurisdictions. So. And without getting into detail, when mm-hmm. we say service enhancements, are we talking about personnel, resources? All of the above. So uh, one of the first things we'll be working on is a seasonal hand crew, six months of the year, that would work on fuels mitigation, primarily in Irvine areas that right now they're having to spend budgetary funds to take care of on their own. Um, it reduces our fire hazard. Uh, it's good for us. Having the hand crew is good. We can use them if an incident breaks out. They're available to our entire region, but their project work would be focused in Irvine and free up budgetary funds uh, on their behalf. So that's one example. Uh, another is an added station in the IBC area um, that we've had on the books for a long time as far as a need for service enhancement. We need space. We need a location to build the station. Um, so we'll continue trying to work on that. We would provide funding for the added staffing to go there. And for those that um, don't know, IBC Irvine Business? Irvine Business Corridor, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Area down Jamboree, yeah. closer to Newport Beach To border. the freeway, yes. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. I'm most excited um, about uh, the discussion involving a, a joint fire and police training center. That's one of the ideas that's had some some energy behind it, and we know that our training center here at the RFOTC is is largely utilized every mm-hmm. single day, and this would be Absolutely. an opportunity for us to uh, consider building a new facility in Irvine, which would be joint use between our two agencies. We're also talking about some of our cross-staffed uh, resources, perhaps having dedicated staffing to our specialized uh, units. Um, so there's a lot of great discussion that's going on, and it's an ongoing discussion with Irvine, and we really look forward to uh, seeing some of the th- some of these things move forward once we get that. Interesting. I I had not heard about the training location, but being able to decentralize training just at the RFOTC would keep right. units closer to their area and be able to accommodate more. So Irvine has also been very focused on pension paydown. It's good public policy. They know we have an accelerated pension paydown plan. Um, our board has adopted it and followed it since the day that we put it in place. And in, in fact, they have expanded it from adoption. But Irvine uh, understands future boards could potentially change their decisions on that, reallocate resources in, in another way. Um, their view is because of the level of revenue that they have flowing to OCFA and that being a priority for them, they would like to see us further memorialize that policy into a document that couldn't easily be undone by future board directors. So. One of the things they'd like to see and that we have on our list of what we call service enhancements, although it's more a financial service than an actual um, delivery of service in the field, but it would be an amendment to the Joint Powers Agreement that would embed that program, that commitment to paying down our pension liability more quickly than required into the JPA so it, it can't easily be undone. We would have triggers built in that give us flexibility should we get into an area of recession and, and we're barely balancing our budget, we're still not being forced to plow extra money beyond what we're required, we would have the ability to pause. But it would be pretty strongly worded that we don't have a lot of flexibility. That's a priority. We would stay disciplined to it. That's great for Irvine. Paying down pension is good public policy, not just for Irvine and all of our members. It's good for our employees. Everybody wants to have a well-funded pension when we mm-hmm. retire. Absolutely. But beyond that, part of that policy has us get our pension to an 85% funding level and then redirect the money towards retiree medical. So those of our members that were hired before 2007 
want to have a future retiree medical benefit. We pay into it. We believe it's there for us. Yet, if we do nothing, it's not properly funded. So the goal is get pension liability to 85% and then redirect all that money over to retiree medical. That's great. It's a much smaller liability, yeah. so we could get that knocked out that's pretty quick. So Yeah, that's so that, that's a good plan. What about placentia? Placentia is, I would say, it's going to be an easier one. So for placentia, it's a much smaller contract. They're a cash contract city. Um, any any adjustments that occur with them are uh, a lot easier to achieve. Um, placentia doesn't want to talk right now until after elections. So they're essentially on hold. All discussions with them are on hold until after the November elections. They're certainly struggling financially. In fact, all of our cash contract cities are struggling because of pension issues that they're having with PERS. A lot of the changes that OCFA went through with OSERS 10 years ago when we were right in the middle of the recession, um, PERS is just making now. So these cities are feeling pain that we went through some time ago, um, Placentia being one of those. So as they're struggling financially, they they felt they didn't have any options. They needed more time to try and figure out how they were going to manage. They gave us notice of withdrawal to basically buy themselves those two additional years, and then we'll reengage with them. They're looking to ask for a sales tax increase in November. So I guess an ideal outcome with Placentia would be their sales tax increase passes. They resolve their financial issues. We can talk with them and, and do analysis to see if there's any changes that are possible that make sense from a service delivery standpoint. Um, we, don't, we don't readily see that. So we don't see an adjustment necessarily as an easy thing to happen. Um, but we stand ready to talk with them. And then finally, what about Garden Grove? Garden Grove That's has been Garden there. Grove has been a, a, a good and interesting project. So we have our fire service proposal that is out there for Garden Grove. It's been presented to them. We've had two additional follow-up sessions with the city. Um, where we are with them is we've offered them a higher level of EMS service Absolutely. than what they currently have today. When If they transition to OCFA, they have to continue to pay their pension liability that already accrued with PERS. When they compare our cost of service and they have to continue to pay their PERS bill, those two things combined make it more expensive for them to transition to OCFA. Without the PERS bill, we would be a savings, but when they add the PERS bill in, it costs more. So they have great interest to come over. Their firefighters are interested to come over. We've done tours with their council members that have been received very po um, positively. They, they have great interest to consider coming over. They're struggling with that financial data. Um, so right now we're just we're waiting for them to schedule the next session, whether it'll be a study session or a vote, we don't know. Um, but we have reason to think it'll be you know, sometime in the next 30 to 60 days. Okay, excellent. Chief Anderson, a couple questions for you, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, a lot of the talk, as you probably know, around the fire stations is force hiring and staffing. Uh, questions being this, promotional processes, hiring, staffing what is being done to reduce the number of force hiring to hire more people to promote more people can you give us an update on the, the force hiring the hiring process the promotional process well it's a great question and first i want to acknowledge uh, that it does not go unnoticed how often our people in the field are working and how it strains families and relationships and we know that uh, time away from the family, especially on the holidays and, and special um, events throughout the year, that, that's very, very difficult. And so we recognize that, and, and it, it's something that we want to address. And a lot of effort has been put into this issue, and I would say a, a very, very focused effort for the last year. And we started with a joint labor management group 
where executive team met with 3631 and we began looking at all the factors that are affected and in influencing this uh, situation. And what we've come up with are some solutions or some ideas and, and, and progress that will move the, the problem uh, or begin to address the problem. The challenge is that the, uh, the solution, is, uh, the feeling in the field is that it, uh, the progress isn't coming fast enough. Correct. And, correct. And, and we certainly recognize that. But we need to recognize also that there is a lot of work being done. And we've seen a couple memos come out from the JLM. I think the fifth memo came out about a month ago, which was highlighting one of the most recent changes. But what are the specific things being done? We're, we're doing two academies a year. We're doing larger academies than we've ever done before, 50 people per academy. That's a lot of people. We're putting a lot of strain on our training section, but they're doing a great job of, of making that happen. We have our board support to overhire for positions that we don't even yet have vacant, but we believe will become vacant. For example, if we had 20 vacancies, the, uh, they've given us the authority to, to hire more uh, trainees, probationary employees beyond that 20, recognizing that we need to get ahead of this uh, difficult and challenging problem. And that's a leap of faith for our board, and we certainly appreciate that support. Is this, are we getting these numbers from the surveys from HR regarding retirements and when somebody's going to leave? Is that how we're projecting outward? So that came out of our JLM as well, and that certainly is a, an important planning tool. And we're beginning to kind of understand the value and the results and and we know it's deeply personal retirement, and so some participate, some don't. And so we're still trying to get our heads around how complete of a picture that we get from those surveys, but it's certainly a step forward. Absolutely. We're also sequencing our engineer, fire captain, and battalion chief promotions. We're still currently today in a little bit of a reactionary period, and things are happening very, very quickly. And in fact, last week we had three or four concurrent uh, promotional processes in one week, and it just challenged the entire organization to pull that off. But we're really working towards a sequenced and planned promotional, something that uh, our folks can begin to depend upon, and it becomes something somewhat of a routine. We're also making staffing system enhancements and changes to our policies and procedures for staffing, and we've seen a variety of those, and, and some of them uh, our ideas that we believe will help begin to address the, the problem and make things better. And, and sometimes after letting them run for two or three months as a pilot, we begin to see adverse effects or, or we didn't reach our goal. And so it's kind of a moving target, and we continue to make those enhancements as appropriate. And finally, uh, the executive team review, sits down every month and reviews in detail the the number of openings, the number of forces, the number of vacations, the number of people on workers' comp, the number of people in special assignments, and uh, the awareness and that constantly putting this issue before uh, the entire executive team um, signals just how important this problem is for us. Thank you. Thanks. Changing gears just a little bit. Uh, what about Fire Station 9, Fire Station 10? I've heard rumors over the years that we're going to be getting a new Fire Station 9, new Fire Station 10. Can you give us an update on where that's at? Property management had a busy year in 2017 where they were working with 
the, the fire at Station 61, and then subsequently building the new Station 20 and the new 61. And I'm happy to report that both of those stations are open and functioning, and we're really proud of those two. So those two stations that are completed. And now we're turning our attention to Fire Station 9 and 10. Uh, 9, of course, is in Mission Viejo. The lot is, is fairly small, so it's not meeting our operational needs. And we certainly want to give uh, the engine and truck and the specialty program more room to conduct their business. And so we're talking actively with Simon, uh, who, own, who owns the mall across the street, and looking at ways we can utilize that parking lot next door, okay. perhaps to have a little bit more land. But it's a, it's a process that we're going through. And then same with TENS. TENS, we vision having an engine, a truck, a battalion chief, and a division headquarters. And on their current lot, it's it's pretty small. And then they're going through redevelopment changes there, in which means that the fire station probably isn't in a great location, being right in the middle and across the street from a movie theater. And so we're actively working with the city and our our advisor defined uh, alternative lots for the station. So it really comes down to us uh, finding agreement for the land for those two stations. We have the budget in order to rebuild those. Those will be construction projects managed by the OCFA. Interesting. I see so you mentioned moving the truck to TENS. That seems like that would put it a little more central into that battalion. That's Try the intent, better definitely. Good. Well, I have one last, last question for you, and I'm not sure if you can answer it entirely. Uh, a new term that we've heard, we've read on emails, is the term mission-driven culture. Is there a chance you could expand upon what your view or what your understanding of mission-driven culture is? Sure. Glad to speak to that. So uh, Chief Fennessy has a lot of experience with mission-driven culture. It's something he worked a lot with in his former department and is very passionate about. I think he spoke with you um, in our former podcast on that topic quite a bit. So um, basically, we're, we're getting ready to move forward with it. The board approved a contract. It is a three-year contract. It's a program that is going to do outreach to our entire organization. Um, so uh, there will be some initial participation pretty heavily focused on the operations side, um, but it is going to be interwoven through all areas of the organization over that course of the three years. Um, and basically, it's, it's really looking at empowering all levels of the organization to make decisions um, for the right reasons, driven around OCFA's culture. So there's many of us that have been here longer that are familiar with the former OCFA way. Um, there's been some talk about bringing that back. You'll see a lot of similarities when you begin to understand mission-driven culture um, and future dialogue about what does the OCFA way look like going forward? Is there change to it? Is it not? Is it pretty much the same document? Um, there'll be a lot of energy and discussion with the fire chief, with our employees, and how we roll that out. But mission-driven culture for sure is coming. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be a three-year program, and lots more to come on that. I, too, am, am trying to get my head around and understand what mission-driven culture will mean for our organization. We're certainly excited about what it has and, and what it can offer to our agency. I think a lot about how mission-driven culture will help us improve our our resiliency and our adaptability and uh, resiliency to me is our ability to, to snap back when there's problems or when things uh, don't go quite right and then our adaptability is how nimble how quickly can our organization move and change directions and as a, a bureaucracy or any large organization we're kind of known for process we're known for having a lot of rules and regulations we're known for um, 
having committees and being slow to make decisions. And I would suggest that today's environment, at the speed at which the world moves and new issues come up, that a bureaucracy is is challenged to try to keep up with the pace of change. And so the fundamental change, in my mind, that MDC is going to provide us is that we're going to uh, move away from a rule-based uh, thinking and over-reliance on process, and we're really going to focus on uh, leaders' intent and understanding the values and principles of the organization and allowing those those values and principles to drive uh, decision-making. Uh, so you'll hear a lot more about task, purpose, and end states. You'll hear a lot more about our purpose and mission, and we really want to make uh, those things entrenched in it, in you know, an integral part of our decision-making and who we are. Um, so I know Chief Black has been assigned to take lead on implementing the mission-driven culture. I understand that there's a number of courses that have been planned for later this year. Uh, as Chief Zeller indicated, it'll be a three- to five-year uh, initiative, and so it's going to be a journey. Looking forward to it. Excellent. Well, I want to speak on behalf of myself, and I know many others, thank you for your openness and your willingness and the transparency you provide us through these podcasts and also congratulate on your new positions and good luck. And thank you for making the OCFA the best organization we can be. Thank you. Thank you, Todd, for conducting an interview with Chief Zeller and Chief Anderson. They are new deputy chiefs responsible for their new bureaus and Thank you, Chief Seller and Chief Anderson, for sharing and providing insight into the new roles and responsibilities. Uh, also, I just want to take a minute to um, share with you that Chief Fennessy, myself, along with members of Local 3631, our OCFA Pipes and Drums, and Honor Guard, will be attending the annual Firefighter Memorial event in Colorado Springs. And we are going to be putting firefighter Mary Blau's name up on the memorial wall. So thank you for that. Thank you for Chief for our invitation to all and supporting our attendance. So that's what's happening this weekend. Thanks again. Until next time, take care of each other and we'll talk to you soon.